Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. At ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our 5-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like ACE, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. ACE is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NBA podcast. My name is Morton Jensen. I'm joined by Jason Pat. And Jason, today we are actually going to live comment the uh, the NBA Draft Lottery 2018. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, hoping the Bulls can uh, get a little luck here tonight, although I'm not really yeah. expecting for it. But other than that, lottery is always a fun time to see uh, where everyone's going to where everyone's going to end up for this for this 2018 NBA draft, so I'm excited. Yeah, a little Derrick Rose lottery luck 10 years ago might be some symbolism. Yeah, uh, let's, let's hope so. I guess, and I, but I guess let's hope that whoever gets drafted, if the Bulls actually won the number one pick, has working knees <laughs> five years into their career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't help but think, because this is also hosted on Bloggable right now, um, so, so we could just talk about the Bulls briefly and then move on to like the entire draft lottery. But it seems to be if the Bulls win like a top three. Hey, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pig, I could just imagine Garpax coming out and going, Oh, this was the plan all along. But that's not really telling the whole story. Yeah, I mean, obviously this year they were a little bit better than ex- better than expected. They ended up in the number six slot. They got got lucky already once, kind of, with their little tiebreaker with the Kings. Obviously, hoping for a little bit more luck. This past bowl season was very bizarre on many levels. Most a lot of people thought they'd be the worst team in the league, and then they were a little better mm. than expected after starting three and twenty. The whole Nico Portis thing. So, uh, I mean, I guess the the, the <laughs> Garpex has been bailed out once before. We talked about the Derrick Rose thing with the. If the Bulls did not win that lottery, I think I look back and I think like DJ. I think they were in the ninth slot. I think like DJ Augustine was in that yeah. pick. Hilarious that DJ Augustine ended up coming to the Bulls at one point, anyways. But I mean, just imagine if the Bulls did not win that lottery, even though the oh. ro- even though the roasting did not turn out well. Ultimately, like I mean, he obviously saved them for a bit, and they had a few really great seasons. So I mean, and if they won it again, maybe it saves them. I mean, even if they don't get lucky, and they're still going to be in a really good spot at number six or number seven. Hopefully, something crazy doesn't happen and they get even further back than that. But either way, the Bulls are still in a decent spot, even though the year was maybe not wasn't quite what people were thinking was going to happen. But we're just going to see how this turns out tonight. I only do one simulation on one of those web pages that simulates the draft. 
and I did one here today on Tankathon. And that one draft lottery, the Bulls went down three places to oh number nine. God. The lowest. Let's let's, let's, let's go. go past. Let's pass on that. Let's, <laughs> well, then let's talk about something else that is that's equally dumb or weird. The Brooklyn Nets pick remains totally unprotected. That deal, I still can't wrap my head around how bad a deal that is. And I, it still amuses me to this day that Bill Simmons, when that deal happened, was like, oh, this is not good for the Celtics. Like, what? I don't. What? I did not realize that when I, I saw recently that tweet come, his old tweet come up that said that it was like a terrible deal. It's like, well, yeah. I, I honestly do not remember exactly my takes or other takes on that when it happened. But it clearly it has played a huge role in the Celtics' yeah. re- ability to rebuild. We're seeing what they're doing in the playoffs right now with the guys – Basically, they got from those picks with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Basically, they have because of I know they obviously made a trade uh, with the Sixers as well, but that pick was basically thanks to them. And now that pick is, is going to the going to the Cavs. Now it was the Kyrie Irving yeah. deal. It's just like that trade is just the gift that keeps on giving for the for the uh, Celtics. And I guess we'll we'll see if the if the Cavs now will get lucky again because we've seen them in the last few years uh, get lucky in the lottery. And I think they got a Dan Gilbert's kid is there. Nick, he's there again. I think he's he's got this. He's got this. I think he's won it twice there when he's been there. And I think they won it one other time then as well. So if the if the Cavs win it again, that'd be. I mean, I feel like there's. I know a lot of people always love to talk about NBA draft conspiracies, which I don't really buy into because the way they go about it these the days. The frozen envelope. Yeah, the way they go about it these <laughs> days is like it's almost like impossible to rig it. But like yeah. there's like if the Bulls won with it being in Chicago. Sure, people will talk about rigging it if the Cavs won again, or if like the Knicks mm. jumped up from number nine. Like there'll be people crying about rigging, which is hilarious because it's just kind of funny. But uh, that we'll we'll see, we'll see. Oh yeah, like whoever wins, there'll be yeah. some angle for someone on Twitter going, "Oh, this was rigged." Whoever, like even if it's Sacramento, like it would be the excuse of, "Oh, let's let's help poor Sacramento with the bad ownership and everything." Like there would always be an angle to play. But yeah, I mean, um, and just to to give a heads up to people, like we will be live commentating, and unfortunately, um, because I'm in Denmark, the whole feed process for me is like 90 seconds late. So, Jason, you'll actually be doing the the play by play, so to speak. Indeed, I did. So that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get get your Neil Fung on. Oh God! Uh, well, if I get my Neil Funk on, that means I could probably be uh, getting like the teams and numbers wrong. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Neil. Actually, somebody worse than Neil these days is Marv Albert. Aside, like Marv has just been. Oh yeah, it's been brutal. These announcing yeah. these playoffs lately. It's it's sad to see because Marv is an announcing legend, but man, it's. I think he called uh, Kevin Durant Andre, Andre Godali yesterday, or or the other way around. It was one of those two. It was just like, dude, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Mar Marv is getting older. I he's still a boss and he's a legend, and I'll always respect like what he does. He did, but at this point in his it's time, time to hang him it's, up. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 time to just uh, seek out that retirement home, Marv. <laughs> it is. Yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate, but so you know before the, it tips off the whole thing here. How are you enjoying the playoffs? Um. Well, like I, the Celtics thing is very interesting. We talked kind of t- mentioned that yeah. before. So I've, 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 the last few years, I've been one of those who's like to chide Celtics fans and make jokes about Danny Ainge and all that. And now that's just just throwing right back in my face because like everything has worked <laughs> out great for him. And I mean, the thing is though, like most of these guys on the Celtics are super likable. Like I like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum seems pretty awesome, and 
Terry Rozier having all his fun with like the Drew Bloodstone and smoking Eric Bloodstone in that first series and all that goodness. I think the only one I really don't like is Marcus Smart. Just a pain in the butt, and I think he's overrated, even though he fits well with what the Celtics do. So, I mean, that's mm. that whole story has been really interesting. Hel- Horford playing well has been good to see. He's always been underrated by a lot of people, and he's had struggles in the playoffs in the past against like Tristan Thompson. We'll see if it looks like Tristan Thompson will probably start game two tonight. But uh, besides, I guess, that whole Celtics thing, I mean, the Cavs have been kind of fascinating. It was disappointing to see the Raptors get their ass just handed to them by the Cavs. And then, I guess, over in the West, like, I mean, there's just the Warriors. We saw game one last night. The the Rockets got out hot, and then the Warriors just kind of reeled them in. And just ultimately, it was just like, it almost feels like the whole, the Warriors are inevitable thing. Uh, So, I I guess we'll see. I, I hope the Rockets can bounce back. I hope we get a competitive series. I would assume that yeah. I would assume the Cavs are going to bounce back tonight, but the Celtics still haven't lost at home in the playoffs, so, which is pretty crazy. So they've they've just, they've been wild. So I, I'm just I'm just hoping for some nice long conference finals because the second round was kind of a dud after a fun first round. So I'm hoping hoping this this kind of, these conference finals are a little better. Mm. Yeah, me me too. I I really enjoyed the, the the respective game ones here in the conference finals. They've been extremely entertaining and i think we kind of needed i think this season like the regular season was a bit of a disappointment with that many injuries going on to major players key players so i've really enjoyed like the bounce back in the playoffs and you're gonna let me know when the lottery starts by the way because you're the one with the television oh yeah well like i said it's the coverage is starting now but i'm pretty sure they won't actually do anything until uh for a while i think this goes for like an hour like it's it's crazy. I mean, they'll be they'll be yammering and talking to all these guys there. They're they're probably I'm assuming they're doing the the uh, actual selection in the back room right now. I would guess. And then uh, let's see who we got. Here we got Jay Billis. Woj, we got Woj and then Mark Jones. Looks like the three main guys. I think they're bringing in probably like the they'll probably have stuff with like the Draft Express guys. I think as well. Mm. I would I would hope. Givoni, I would hope. Yeah, Smith. I would hope. So, yeah. but they're, I mean, they're going to f- need to figure out a way to fill up all this time, and we're going to have to do that as well as we, as we, uh, as we wait here for. Uh, and then uh, they're just talking about like, the best available players, and so I guess we let's transition into some talk about the actual players at the top of this draft. Right. So I guess I mean we could start with the Bulls since we are talking about this on Bloggable. If the Bulls do get lucky and got the number one pick, who would you take number one? And I guess just in general, or if like this, or who's like just I guess your number one prospect. I guess either way, even if bowls or no, no yeah. bowls. Man, I mean, I'm flip flopping between Doncic and. I, I am as well. I said that to somebody oh. on Twitter, like just now, like I'm, I'm a coward. I can't make a decision. Like I feel yeah. like it's got to be one of those two guys, probably. But I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I, I and I think I feel the top three is locked. It's some combination of Dantic and Aiden going one and two, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. at three. Like, he's the, the clear third. So you have those two levels, and then after three, it's just a level down. And it might be anywhere from four to 12, where people can, or guys can just be drafted either way. But I'm just so unsure about the number one. I love Luka Dantic. I've followed him a lot recently. Um, not just recently, honestly, but... Being over here where I'm at, I mean, yeah. you just get more exposure to him, and and he's fantastic, like the best player in Europe, and not like the best young player in in Europe, like the best player, and he's 19. That's it's it's insane, and I speak to so many Euro guys about this all the time, and they're just in awe. And at some point, you just have to separate like his impact 
and his athleticism, like how will he transition to the NBA? And the athleticism or lack thereof is the big concern for me. I'm just so worried about how he might turn out to be like at a, at peak that his athleticism is similar to like a 32-year-old Paul Pierce. <laughs> that's a major concern. Yeah, that seems like concern for everybody. I know I've seen him have some pretty sweet dunks and stuff like not that that really means anything. He's like six eight, six nine, but that does seem mm. to be the concern with him. And like defensively, like can he will he hold up with like lateral movement, and will he be able to get his right. shot off the dribble and do the kind of creation that we see? Because we talk about the good good stuff with Doncic, his passing, his vision. I I haven't watched like a ton of him, but I've watched a few games of him, and his passing is obviously and like just creation and his all that stuff is what really stands out. It's incredible. It's so advanced right. for a player of his age against that kind of competition is. It's just incredible, and just his general numbers. Again, at that age, at that time of competition, that's basically the second best league in the world, and it's like unprecedented numbers, which is really impressive. But a lot of people do worry about that athleticism. I just saw Jay Billis had put up his top five uh, available players, and he has Doncic fourth, he has Bagley second, fourth? he has Bagley second, and wow. then Jaron Jackson Jr. third. Uh, I can't remember who was who he had fifth there, but yeah, those were that was his top four. He had Aiton. Bagley, Jaron Jackson, Doncic as his top four. So wow, no, that's that's sleeping on Doncic. Like at worst, he's second because uh, I mean, the passing ability. He's a great rebounder. He can push the ball. Like there are so many upsides to him. He can get his own shot. I mean, he can pull up from 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 the dribble after like long screens and like he's got NBA range. People look at his three point percentage right now and go, oh, it's only like thirty one. That's because he's fatigued as hell. He's played, I think, 140 games over the past 20 yeah. months. And at that young of an age, I mean, and that responsibility he's carrying Real Madrid at right now, it's like that's just a, a, a case of him being a little bit overburdened. So I, I'm not wor- worried about the jump shot or him creating his own thing. It's like it's all about the defense. and oh, And I shouldn't say like the defense in terms of him playing hard like i would i have no question about him playing hard on defense like he'll play hard it's just the physical right just, yeah exactly like i said the like exactly. the kenny guard i mean he's basically like, i mean i guess sometimes you could hide guys occasionally but there's mm. versatility is such a name in the game especially defensively we see with the wars and rockets and all the switching like you can hide guys for a while but that teams will hunt out switches can he stay with right. faster guards can he stay with big strong guys like i see that will be a question mark He's and he's still so young. He's still once he gets in an NBA weight program, hopefully put out puts on a little more weight. Hopefully the athleticism works out. I don't know. We'll see. There definitely will be a question mark. Talk about defense mm-hmm. though. We look at DeAndre Ayton, which is when it seems like one of the big question marks with him. He is, I mean, a freak. He is a physical freak. Just dominant presence, <laughs> yeah. like just a complete monster of a man. But I did. I was concerned a little bit watching him defensively. I'm not sure if it was just a college thing. If it's something that coaching could help. Just it seems like his instincts aren't quite there. He, I think, I think he blocked less than like two shots a game at Arizona this year. Which, yeah. for a guy with his physical stature and profile, like he should be blocking. We saw, I think, Mo Bamba and Jaron Jackson are blocking like four or five shots a game. And I feel like Aiton. I'm curious to see how what what the reasoning was behind that. If that's something that's going to transfer over, like. I mean, will he be like a Carl Anthony Towns? Which I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is a great player, but he does have those defensive limitations. Will he always have that, or is it something that will come, I guess, with mm. time and that he'll learn and get better at? Because, like I said, I watching some Arizona games this year, I was a little concerned about that. How do you how do you feel about Aiton and I guess his long term upside and some of the downside there? 
Well, I think the physical upside is tremendous. Like he's 7-1 and with a 7-5 wingspan and he's supremely athletic. So the ceiling there yeah, is outstanding yeah. completely. But, I mean, watching him letting 5-11 guys go into the paint and finish layups over him, not exactly encouraging. I will say this, though. As the year progressed, I felt he got better. Like, it seemed like he was realizing, oh, I'm actually 7-1, and I have long arms, and I'm athletic. I can use this to my, to my advantage. And then sometimes he'd relapse into this, oh, I don't know if I can get there at this point in time to block that shot, so I don't, I'm not even going to bother rotating. And I think in NBA terms, like, he'll have coaches who just go, yeah, you better get your ass over there. Like, you better rotate. Don't give up on the play, otherwise you're on the bench. So I think he needs the right environment as well to really flourish in the NBA. I think that's crucial for him to end up someplace where it's like a very positive surroundings. In terms of his, like where he can fall through, like as you said, defensively, I mean, the lack of shot blocking is really the big one. I know the shot blocking is just a stat. You don't really need to be a good defender just to rack up a bunch of blocks. Like just look at Chandra Jordan, who is vastly overrated on, on the defense, honestly. But it's it's just like, I don't think he's going to be a, even a remotely decent shot blocker in, in the NBA. I think he's going to be like less than one per game. And that when that happens, like you have a Cleveland Cavaliers situation where you know you can just attack the defense and go in the other rim. Yeah, right. Because I mean, you said blocking shots isn't always a whatever indicator of ever right. being a great defender. But in college, with, like I mentioned, a guy that is that big and like that mm. athletic, like you would think his block rates would be better than they were, and they just weren't. So you do, like I said, I wondered, is it an effort thing? Is it just the instincts just aren't quite there defensively? Because I remember there were, I remember one specific play I watched earlier this year where it's like he, I feel like he was on like the other side of the rim and just like didn't even, like, and there was a guy driving from the weak side, and there was just like no effort to get over and really even contest or block, and I just like that's, I mean, obviously that's cherry picking a play. It wasn't always that bad, but it's just a minor concern to have. So it'll be, it'll definitely be something to watch for as a guy, especially again. We talk about when you, in the NBA these days with all the switching and with some when we see big guys who who can't defend mm-hmm. if they can't hold their own, sometimes they get run off the floor, and especially if they're not holding their own on the offensive end. Like he's obviously got a lot of talent offensively. He could probably hold his own. But I mean you see what a guy have not that he's gonna be Jaleel Okafor, but Jaleel Okafor was a stud in college, put up huge numbers at Duke, won a national title, comes in the NBA and he gets run off he can't play because he just can't defend and he's slow footed, his mm. reactions are bad. Like because I'm not saying DeAndre is gonna be that I would assume he's gonna be much, much better than that. But even I mentioned Towns as well. Towns has had his defensive problems. He's an incredible offensive player, incredible rebounder, but I mean, the Wolves can't really take the next step until their defense gets a lot better, and a lot of that is Towns in the middle. So it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, uh, get used to the NBA game and, and playing NBA defense mm. as, a, as a rim protector in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I feel you kind of have to pair him with a strong defensive unit. Like, if he's not going to be a plus defender, then you just can't pair him with, like, two or three guys in the starting lineup are also negative defenders like then you would need an environment where you can sort of cover for his lack of uh, rim protection and, and defensive coverage in totality i still feel there's there's a certain level of hope in me that he can turn it around just because of that physical strength and maybe because he will have an nba coaching yeah. staff that goes yeah just recognize your size man just recognize it for a second and really make him understand just how big he is because 
I mean, he's physically imposing. Even for NBA players, like going up against a guy who's seven one with a seven five wingspan, giant man, who has giant human, and who right, and he he probably is going to list out as having a, a vertical leap of forty inches. I wouldn't even that wouldn't even surprise me. So I mean, to that extent. Like, NBA teams would look at him and go, oh, we need to plan for this guy, and he needs to be ready for that challenge. But, you know, speaking of big men, I want to go back to Marvin Backley. Like, if we, you just mentioned Jay Billis had Backley second? Second overall in his best available. That's, I mean, I, I get the hype around Backley to an extent, but I, I feel like in, in regards to big men, I have him third behind Aiden and Jaron Jackson. I'm... I think there are also some defensive concerns there. He doesn't have the longest wingspan. He seems to be more of like a score rebounder, much like Aiden, but not with the similar, you know, athleticism or potential. He too has the defensive concerns as well. Duke was not should not good defensively. They they had to switch to a zone defense, which is crazy when they had Bagley, Wendell Carter Jr., and other good NBA type players to have to go to a zone defense. I feel like I say, kind of a, it's a. Not 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 good when you have that kind of talent. And you have to play zone defense because mm-hmm. their man to man defense is getting torched. Uh, yeah, because Bagley was he was such a productive college player. I mean, he put up incredible numbers. He dominates. Clearly, very skilled. I guess you do worry about uh, is if what kind of perimeter game he might have in the NBA was how much of his scoring was just him overpowering smaller defenders in college. I mean, I still think he'll be pretty good, like a really good right, player, right. but like. Yeah, I mean, we compared to Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I was a big fan of Jaron J- Jackson Jr. this year. He was kind of a weird, weird deal with Michigan State. Because Izzo was weird with his minutes. He did also, one of his biggest problems was foul trouble. Committed a lot of dumb fouls. He's, he's still learning how to play defense. Like I said, Izzo was crazy with his, silly with his minutes. And the, la- the game that Michigan State got upset in the tournament was just, like, obnoxiously ridiculous with Jaron Jackson Jr.'s minutes. But, like... I, I mean, he's kind of ideally like his idealized skill set is like awesome for this NBA. Like whatever, mm. he's six eleven, seven foot with long arms. You see, he blocked like his block rates were incredible. His defensive impact when he was able to stay on the floor was incredible. He shot something like around forty percent. His shots are a little funky, the form itself, but yeah. I mean, he made a good percentage of them. His free throw percentage was pretty solid. I know he had some problems finishing against length, but he is super young and just like the skill set there is super tantalizing and if he figures things out like a stretch big man who can also protect the rim like crazy like that's that sounds super awesome yeah I, i've seen a lot of people throw around the tyrus thomas Dromal swift comparisons because they're kind of scared of where he'll go but i just point to his age yeah and i point to the fact that he can actually shoot the three ball unlike swift or thomas and while the release was indeed funky i mean you can look at the three throw rate or the three throw percentage as a means of is it sustainable? I think it is. I will say it's a problem that he cannot convert in traffic against yeah. length. But in today's NBA, you have to wonder, like as long as he can run the floor, he can finish lops, and he can shoot the three, maybe you don't need him to really attack the basket all that aggressively in a half-court setting. Like that, You can have your wings or your guards really do that, and then he can clean it up. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if like if you're gonna if they're gonna have Lowry as a guy who will probably develop a more an off the dribble game attacking the basket. Like obviously you want your big your center to be able to finish a decent percentage around the rim and be a rim runner and get lobs from Chris Dunn or Zach Levine or whatever whatever point guard they or guards they may have. But yeah, I I was definitely a big fan of his watching Michigan State this year when he did 
play. So it, I, yeah, I, I would probably take him over Bagley as well. Like you said, I think you like you you mentioned that uh, Aiton Doncic probably top two. I think I probably would also go with JJJ's third, and I feel like I would even part of me there was a very small part of me that would consider him number one, but I would be I would be a little too scared to make that pick. I just like his oh, talent yeah. level that much. But I don't think I'd be. I think there'd be a too big of a bust potential there as a number one guy over with 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 Aiton or uh, Doncic on the board. Oh yeah, it would take some serious balls to take him. Yeah, you'd have to really. I mean, I would I would res- I would respect it, and it's certainly not going to be like an Anthony Bennett situation, which is which are, which also admittedly took balls. Just the, yeah, it was a, <laughs> maybe not a place where you should use your balls, but yeah. Um, in terms of when you look at Jaron Jackson Jr. as well, I saw the the Stepien guys say that he's basically Joakim Noah with a three pointer. If that's the case, I don't feel the ball handling is there. No, but like I felt, the, yeah. I, he did do some decent stuff from what I remember playmaking wise. At least passing, he showed some of it. But I mean, Noah is incre- was an, developed an incredible yeah. passer, solid ball handler skills wise. So like that might be a bit right. of a reach. But I mean, in terms of just like the defensive impact, maybe hopefully a good rebounder, and then plus a not a ugly ass tornado jumper. I don't know. That that, <laughs> that does sound great. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, just just the upside of that being like a potential defensive year, uh, defensive player of the year candidate, while also shooting the three, that that would be huge, especially for a big. And it's just, I think it's just the unicorn attraction here, having a big who can rebound, who can shoot, who can block shots and and switch on defense. Like that's, it doesn't get more unicorny really. And I think that's a part of the attraction. And speaking of that, like looking at the rest of the bigs in this draft, when you go down the list, you don't really see a whole lot not taking the three. Like the closest you come, I think, is I have to go to a mock draft here. I think it's Robert Williams, right? Mo, even yeah, Mo Bamba is Bamba taking took the three. A decent, like not a not a high super high volume, but he has a right. he has a decent stroke. Like I don't know if he'll ever be like la- like launching threes like liberally in the NBA, but he seems to at least have a right. decent workable stroke that. If a coach, if a team works for them, that he could at least be a a threat out there, which is sometimes all you really need. If you can space the floor and be a threat, and not we see in the, these playoffs, especially when when guys aren't a threat to space the floor and they can't shoot, the opposing defenses just leave them alone, and that leaves just poor or scrunched up spacing, and it screws up an entire offense. So if you can just be a, a workable threat from deep, that's obviously really helpful. Hmm. Uh, and with Bamba, he actually lowered his release point here after uh, Texas, the Texas season ended. Like he, there's a, a video flooring over, you know, Twitter and, and whatnot, with him having a lower release point and I think making nine threes in a row. Not that like he's doing it in a in an open gym. I mean that's like E Yan Yan going up against a chair. Yeah. It means nothing, but. Again, like you saw that release point having lowered, so he's conscious about the fact. Oh, I need to change my shot in order to be more effective. I think that goes a long way. I I, I think back in the day, team or players were more um, stubborn. I think in terms of oh, I I feel my shot is this, so I'm not gonna tweak it because I'm comfortable shooting it this way. But now players are more open-minded, to thinking, oh, I need to be more effective. I can do stuff if I. I could do more stuff if I change my shot here and I do this and this and that. That will lead to a whole bunch of different benefits that I can utilize. So it's it's going to be interesting. Where do you have Bamba 
Where do I have him? Do you have him? I don't, yeah, I don't really have him. myself, like, my own personal whatever, big board or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he's very intriguing. His defense, his, yeah. his wingspan is, what, 7'9"? He's basically got a Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert like, wingspan. 7'9 and a half, yeah, it's, I think. It's something absolutely insane. Um, it looks like I think Jay Billis had him fifth because he doesn't have – he's looking at 6 through 10 right now, and I can't imagine he would be outside the top 10. And that sounds about right. Just, like, as a, de- as a potential defensive stopper – uh, guy, you could anchor your defense with. He, I did read one. I did read one article. I think it was. I think it was at the Stepien. I think that had some concerns about his defense, which was it was actually really interesting to see. Kind of a, a counterpoint, like yeah, like he blocked all these shots and was like a looked like a dominant defender in college, but he had these. I can't remember what the exact problems were, but he did have some downsides defensively. Not even just the offense. It was was like he does have the a workable jumper, but he still didn't do that much offensively. It seems like he's limited. Right. But there were some questions about his defense as well. So he's I feel like he does seem he seems like another kind of boomer bust guy, but if he if he does work out, even if he's not that good offensively and he is great defensively, that's a, and he's if he is like a Rudy Gobert type, like a, and that's a lazy maybe a lazy comparison just because they both have the super long arms just in similar height. <laughs> but like if you can get that guy that can anchor a defense, even if maybe you look at like a Clint Capella type, like we have to see how like effective Capella is uh, mm-hmm. as a rim protector and as a guy that can rim run. As long as you do some things offensively, and then if you can be that stud rim protector, I mean, and if Bamba can turn in that, I mean, he's definitely worthy of a pretty high pick. Would you take him at six if we go back to the oh, Bulls? Man, I guess it might depend on who else is there. Right. I don't. Yeah, I, I think I feel like it would depend on who else is there. Like, I guess let's let's go back to let's let's go to the Bulls and like, I guess yep. who. If the Bulls stay at six, let's say the Bulls stay at six, I guess who would be your, I guess, realistic pick or your ideal pick there? Yeah, assuming, I, I assuming, think the, right. assuming the top of the draft goes like we, as expected, which would probably, like I said, Aiton, Doncic, Jackson are probably gone, and then maybe you get right. some talk like Bagley, Bamba, Trey Young, Michael Porter Jr. All like possibilities to go there or, or maybe fall back to the Bulls. Like out of that second yeah. tier or third, maybe third tier after Jackson. Who would you? Who was your? Uh, who's your favorite? I mean, I'm in love basically with Wendell Carter. Yeah, I, I saw you on. I saw you tweeting about that recently. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm crazy about this guy. I I feel there are some weaknesses to his game, in particular, like the lack of defense. Uh, not, not sorry, not lack of defense. Lack of athleticism. Forgive me. It's almost two a.m. So I I will screw up with the language once in a while. But um, yeah, he's just so solid in every area. It's just the fact that he can't really move all that well laterally, and that's just a concern in today's NBA. But he can shoot the three ball. He can get to the line. He rebounds at a fantastic rate. He's a good, solid defender who also blocks shots. He's not like an empty numbers guy. He can score around the basket. He also has post-ups, which, I mean, we just saw Al Horford the other night just maneuver the Cavs team by using post-ups. So it does come with certain advantages, like you would rather have a guy who can play in the post, who instead of someone who can't, right. even though you won't utilize it as much. He has a mid-range game, and he's a hell of a passer. If for him to go to Chicago, I could see him play center because he's listed at six ten, but he has a seven three wingspan. So I don't really care about the raw height, honestly. Um, like him playing center next to Laurie. I think that would work pretty well. They would have some pretty interesting high-low combinations. Both could step out and hit the three. Uh, obviously, Laurie would be much more high volume than right. Carter would. But just having that guy out there 
who you would have to guard, who isn't like Robin Lopez. And oh, to Lopez's credit, like he started shooting threes a little bit, but yeah, but but yeah, I mean, having two bigs who can come out and and stretch, I think that would open the court up and like that would give Zach Levine a chance to come in and average twenty five. Honestly, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I won't say like I'm some expert on all these guys. Like I, I watched a decent amount of Duke games and. Carter was definitely solid. Do you, what do you think about his upside? Do you think he'd be just? You think is he like a solid? He seems like a solid, like solid high floor guy. What do you think about? Like, do you see him blossoming into like a really like the high impact, potential high impact guy that like the Bulls fans were hoping for out of this draft when they when they decided to trade Jimmy Butler? Or do you think he'd just be more of a safer pick, or like is there anybody else you think that would be more of a home run option? Like, because I feel like mm. I feel like I'm, I've been going back and forth about that if they do say it's six, like, because I feel like a guy like, I don't know, I keep coming, like, thinking about, like, Michael Porter Jr. could be, like, a home run pick, but he had the back yeah. injury, and I didn't play much in Missouri because of that, and there's questions about him. Like, he seems like, because coming in, Michael Porter Jr. was a potential top t- number one pick before he had the back injury, and then that all just kind of went by the wayside, like, but Jay Billis, I think, has him at number nine on his board, and I know some people just aren't high on him at all. But then you mm. wonder: is it is is it just because we didn't see him, or like, are there what are the real questions there about Michael Porter Jr.? What what do you think about taking like, or I guess what do you think about when the first Wendell Carter Jr. is like potential as like a legitimate big time impact like all future all star versus I guess we talk about Michael. What are your thoughts on Michael Porter Jr.? Well, first, in, in regards to Wendell Carter, I think he could have a similar career arc as Luol Deng, like making a couple of all-star yeah. games and be a high-caliber starter for 10 years, if not more. I think he's just one of those guys who's rock-solid. So you could call it a safe pick. I, I mean, I think the floor for him is incredibly high. I, I, he's not going to fail. Yeah. The question is, like, how much more is he going to give you? Like outside of the the certain things he's going to provide like defense some shot making and rebounding is he going to add that extra layer like an Al Horford does with elite passing and elite three-point shooting and all these things you just don't know yet if he does attach those things to his game I think he could be a lot better than having a Luol Deng type of career having said that he's not a home run pick and you just touched on like Michael Porter I have not seen as much of Porter as, as for example, Stefan No from The Athletic. Um, I've seen a couple high school games, and I saw all of his 53 minutes, I think it was, from Missouri. And so, so I don't really know. I love the athleticism that I've seen in, in highlight videos, honestly, and, and which I saw in, in like the two high school games. And just raw athleticism does mean potential to a certain extent, but he has a jump shot as well. And he can sort of handle the ball. The, ha- the the handles could be tighter, but again, what nineteen yeah. years old? I, every nineteen year old's handle could be tighter. So he is a home run pick if you if you believe that back injuries or if the back injuries aren't as big of a concern. But let's be honest for a second: back injuries tricky. in the NBA, those are tricky. Like ankle and and back. Oh, those those are just not those are not great injuries. And he has one of them. And I, I think it's hard because when you look at the wings available, I know Pax specifically talked about yeah. wings and available wings at six. I mean, I guess if you're forced to, you take 
Mikael Mikael, Bridges. I mean, talk, but, we talk about safe picks. I feel like Mikael Bridges would be like the safe. ultimate like Bulls safe pick. I mean, oh yeah, it's three and D guy, good size. He can really shoot it. Like, and he's a guy who will fit like anywhere. He would slot right in at the three for the Bulls and probably be a really nice player for like a really long time. But okay, he's another guy. But do you tank for right. a Mikael Bridges? Probably not. Like, I would feel if the Bulls when they, when it was looking like the Bulls were going to be at like eight or nine. I guess they still could be if they get really unlucky tonight. But when there was that stretch <laughs> where it looked like there was going to be like eight or nine, like I was kind of resigning myself to Mikel Bridges. Not that he's totally, totally bad, but again, like safe pick, not high upside pick. The mm. Bulls going into this year and their fans thought that they were going to be getting another future, like legit bona fide stud to add to their group. I don't think he'd ever be that. I, and you, other wing, I guess what other wings? I mean, there's the other Miles My- Bridges that'd be way too high for him. I think he'll probably be. Yeah. Bo- he's like a borderline top ten guy from Michigan State, and then the other wings would be, um, Zaire Smith. Oh yeah, Zaire. Yeah, I saw. Who was it? I saw. It was just tweeting about one of the draft guys. I saw tweeting today about Zaire Smith. I think he had him as like a top eight or nine prospect. I honestly have not yeah. watched that much of him. I, I've heard. I feel like the hype around him is growing. Just incredible athlete. Uh, because he went to what Texas Tech, right? Right. And I think I think Ricky, our friend Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation, I think he was talking him up a lot. Uh, but I, I mean, taking him, I mean, would you take him at six? Like, I I could I don't know enough about him to say I'd be comfortable taking him at six. Maybe if so I dive into it a little more, maybe I would. But he seems like a really intriguing prospect. Just that seems kind of high for him. Uh, yeah. And, but yeah. But, and besides that, the other wings, I don't think did anybody else really take that high. So then I guess if you're looking elsewhere, I mean, would you for the Bulls? I guess. Starting with the Bulls, I mean, would do any of the point guards? Does Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Shea Gilgis Alexander excite you at all? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Trey. I think Trey Young is getting crapped on a lot, and I think the Jimmer for Dead comparisons are lazy and dumb, and also woefully inaccurate. Because then you look, you look at Young, who had these stats in his freshman season, and then you compare it to to for Dead, who had similar numbers, actually worse numbers. In his what junior or senior season, like you can't compare that. That's comparing apples to oranges. I I don't think that's fair at all. So I do expect Trey Young to come into the NBA and produce. I think we have so many questions regarding his defense as well. It seems like this draft class <laughs> primarily is an offensive-minded class, with the exception, especially of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Sayer Smith, but otherwise, like mostly, it's it's offensive-minded players. But Young, I mean, he had. Such a big responsibility yeah, just insane, at Oklahoma. Insane load, right? Like, can you imagine him at being asked to also play hard nosed defense on every possession when being asked to put up thirty and ten? I mean, I, I I feel it's fair to say, like, we don't know about his defense. People who come out and say, "Oh, he's a bad defender," no, we we actually don't know because he had to take possessions off so he could be like the. 30 and 10 guy. I think it is fair to say that his maybe his physical profile may, is you worry oh, yeah. about the That's defense. Fair. I thought someone just actually texted me, said that he gained a bunch of muscle in the last couple months, which is obviously huge. And like, oh nice. He was like, I mean, I guess I don't. The Steph Curry comparison is crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be Steph, but like, we've seen Steph. Steph's gotten a lot stronger. And while Steph, I think he's a bit of an underrated defender. I mean, we saw it in the last last night. We saw. It the Rockets going after stuff time and time again, and while there were times where he had struggled against Harden, he else he has gotten better defensively, and he fights really hard, and he plays hard, and he's kind of crafty as well with steals and all that mm. stuff. So I mean, 
So I guess you're hoping not not even to go on the offensive in terms of comparison with Trey Young and uh, Steph, but if Trey can add that kind of muscle and if he plays hard defensively, maybe he can be at least at least passable and not a complete train wreck. I know some people were worried about him being a complete train wreck. Again, I have not watched enough film of his defense to say for sure one way or the other to have like a complete hot take on that. But I guess you, you do hope once he gets to the NBA, his once the load's a little longer, once he gets a bit stronger learns a bit more about defense and you hope that he can at least be mm. a bit more passable, like in the vein of Steph. Yeah, maybe he actually should be brought into the category of potential home runs. I mean, when you look at Trey Young, if you imagine him maximizing his potential, like that's a home run. Yeah, absolutely. That is definitely true. And yeah, because if he even like, again, bringing up Steph, like while becoming what Steph is now is complete outlier, ridiculous stuff. Like, even if he's right. whatever, like sixty to seventy percent of step or something like that, like that's oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's terrific. That's probably that's probably like top an five point guard yeah, in the probably East. Probably an all star. That's a really good player. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I Trey Young does intrigue me not just for the Bulls but just in general because I really am interested to see how he does in the league. I feel like I feel like in terms of looking at the draft where he could go, I, I don't think he would go top four. I mean, I guess someone gets really crazy. Thinking maybe because I think I guess it could depend on how this plays out. And I think we're, as it's looking right now, I feel like possibly the Magic at five. Yeah. They, need, they badly need a point guard. They were tweeting about. He is so magic. They bound. were tweeting about Shelvin Mack leading the team with assists by the end of the year with like three point nine. Like they, they <laughs> badly badly need a point guard. So I feel like that seems like a natural spot. If he gets to the Bulls, I mean I wouldn't hate it if they took him. I I do would have questions about him uh, him and Zach Levine combination and how the Bills build a of competent defense with these guys, with all mm. these guys, with all, you know, Chris Dunn's a really good defender, but then I guess you also wonder how are you doing the Chris Dunn, Trey Young, Zach Levine thing? I'm, I'm not totally sure how that would work out, but I don't think either of those got Trey or, or Chris Dunn and Zach Levine aren't good enough players to say if, if they really love Trey Young, if the Bulls really love Trey Young, that, that they would definitely pass on him. At least, at least in my opinion, maybe, maybe they're high enough on Dunn I and mean, they've loved Dunn for a while, Maybe they would do, mm. maybe they would pass on him, but I'm not sure. I think they're bound to take a wing, but it's also interesting because when we look at teams with multiple picks, especially if and we can use the Bulls as an example against the because they have the number 22 pick. I think there are still guys where you can swing for the fences with number 22. Like I don't think you should go with stability at 22. There you just go for highest Absol- upside, absolutely. whatever. Yeah, whatever position. I mean, you don't even consider anything. You could you look at age, you look at athleticism, and you look at you know mentality, and that you go from there. Yeah, I agree. And just to interject here, they are finally starting to announce oh, all nice. the guys here. So all the guys are sitting at the on the dais, uh, and we are getting this rolling. So hopefully, we should have these initial results here in the next few minutes here. So uh, nice. Let's see, let's see what we got. We got. I like the Elton Brand choice for the Sixers. They got they got Elton Brand and the Celtics present sitting next to each other. Of course, that's kind of funny. Who else we got up here? You know, Mitch Kupchak is back in the game with the Hornets. Oh, with the yeah. Hornets now. Uh, the Bulls, I believe, have Michael Reinsdorf, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf's son. Oh, that's inspiring. Yeah, that's so inspiring. Totally. <laughs> I saw him. I think he was wearing some uh, some sweet like spark, black and red sparkly shoes. So that's that's super fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
As we, I guess before, as they're, they're just yapping right now, before the, we got one Twitter question here. The Bulls do get yep. lucky and get in the top. This is from Robert Lemke, at Robert Lemke 21. If the Bulls get a top three pick and take a big, do you think they can get another first rounder for Brook or for, not Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez? I would automatically say, assume not. I don't think, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think his yeah. value is that high. He'll, I think he'll be an expiring next season, I believe. Next it's season. It's like 14 yeah. million, 14 million on his contract. I mean, he's, Robin is such a nice player, funny dude, does sweet videos, wears funny shirts, but I mean, he's just, he's just, I don't think he's not, I don't think his value is that high in this NBA, so I would probably say right. no to that. You could probably get a second rounder for him, but I would probably say they probably cannot trade him for, for a first. I would still think about trading him. I know they like his professionalism. They like him as a mentor to these young guys. But, I mean, I guess if they do take a big, and they do have a bunch of other bigs. They have Lowry. They have Felicio. They have Bobby Portis. If they do take a big, I mean, it would make some sense. But they still might want to have Robin out just to mentor those some of their young bigs. So, mm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I mean, I think, theoretically, his value is a late first. I think he's good enough to warrant that, but no team is going to give that up because of the cost control asset that a draft pick is. It's essentially giving up a four-year cost-controlled asset for one year of Robin Lopez at $14 million. Or two. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait a second. No, one year. I think, one I think year he's going to be an next expiring next, next season. I'm right. Sure. He is yeah. with 14 Yeah, Yeah. So one year. But you're, then you're, you're actually just getting a one-year rental and giving up... Yeah. A four-year cost control asset for that, right? I for for a nice, for fe- like a professional center, like it's out of. Right. I don't. That's not worth. Who's it. Furry. It's not worth it. So, no, so. It, it's not. It's not. So no. okay, yeah, that's. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, let's see. Right now, we're just looks like they're uh, talking to Nick Gilbert. I'm not sure. Yep. I'm not sure about what I got. I don't have the sound on, but they're asking him some questions, and he's talking. And I don't know. It is kind of funny. They are making the uh, like I mentioned the Sixers. And the Celtics guy, like basically, it looks like they might be sitting at like the same t- table, <laughs> which I guess naturally. But well, that, yeah, that does make sense, even though it's going to be super awkward. Yeah. Okay. So as they as they continue to go through these guys outside of the Bulls, as as we're like Bulls mm. guys, who don't count them? Who would you like to see get the number one pick? Uh, I mean, there's a part of me that would love to see Memphis get back on track but then again i would also love to see phoenix getting number one and choose Aiden because that would be a fun team i mean they have so many possibilities to actually be pretty damn good in three or four years time and yeah uh dallas dallas just for having a dirk dauntage combo as well for one year yeah that'd be fun that'd be fun i'm trying it was i feel like the the suns obviously have the best odds Seems like they would naturally take Aiton as whatever the hometown kid or whatever, and I don't, I don't know what to th- yeah, I don't know what to think about the Suns at all. Like, and they probably go Dantage on. Oh, oh yeah, because that's, that's, that's right. They just hired the. Freaking, I totally totally blanked on yeah. that. They just they just hired the Slovenia Igor Kokoshka. Yeah, I'm not trying yeah. to say his name. I to- totally went overhead because I was thinking the longest time. Yeah, if the Suns get the number one pick, they'll take Aiton because they went to Arizona. Blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, they just signed the Slovenia head coach, so of course they're taking Doncic for the number one. I mean, unless it's unless it's just a complete smoke screen, but that, that that would seem pretty pretty crazy. Uh, oh, could you imagine if they get number one, they take, take Doncic, and then they flip Booker for two? Oh God! And take eight. Oh, there you go. 
That would that would be insane. I don't think it's gonna happen yeah. at all. But I, I mean, you could start a conversation with teams with if you include Booker. I don't. I think he's close to untradeable, but they would pick up the phone. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Booker's Booker's an interesting player. Like his numbers, his raw production is incredible. Like I'm not sure how much of it is like looter and a riot type. But his actual numbers are just like I, for his age. I think he's still like 21, 21. 22. So yeah. like his numbers for his age are incredible. His defense isn't very good. The Suns as a whole, like the Suns have so much raw talent on their team. I'm just not really sure how it fits together and what, how they're going to get better defensively. Was there? I think they had the worst offense and defense in the league this year. Which I think they were the fir- first team to do that since like the Bobcats team that whatever went like seven <laughs> oh, and fifty nine. Like yeah. they. That's really hard to have because obviously there's a lot of bad yeah. teams, but they had the worst offensive and worst defensive rating, which is they they got a mm. ton of work to do. Even though they have uh, the all this talent, I remember you wrote something uh, for I did recently about for, like for a side yeah. that should, should, should not and, be named. Yeah, and you uh, were talking about you don't want them to do anything stupid. You want to just be patient, but I'm pretty sure that they've been talking about how they want to uh, yeah. go go some with some win win now moves. Uh, the summer, so oh, that'll yeah. be. Ryan McDonough said that they they would only choose like two players, more or less. Like they yeah. would only keep two players, yeah, two like, or three. They have players like a ton of abs, ton of assets, and they have all yeah. these young guys. So I'm curious to see how they screw it up again. But uh, oh yeah, like the Marquis Chris trade that was horrendous. Oh yeah, that was really bad. All right, all right. Now they're going through all the all the odds. They're showing. Showing the balls. Come on, let's let's get this. Let's get this going. It's, <laughs> it's a real ESPN production. We've been talking right now for forty-five minutes or whatever, and we're still waiting for uh, still waiting for an actual actual results here. Now they're showing the media. We're getting the Zach a Zach Low look here as the guys go into the the back room. They got to turn their cell phones in and all that fun stuff. Um. Yeah, we're just we're just waiting. Yeah. We're just waiting. It's a waiting game. Yeah. yeah, you know what? You're right because I was like, oh, we should get on on this thing a little bit early. You're like, no, it's I, okay, I, Brian. I think it was in my ear. I think initially that this was supposed to be a half hour show, and then I think they bo- moved it out to an hour so they can have more of just the whatever analysis and all this talking and and Twitter. Oh yeah, because tw- that's Twitter's not necessary. happy. That's for sure. And, <laughs> and like I said, it's been going for basically 45 minutes. And now they're showing old draft lotteries. They're doing all oh, the history. Like they gotta, they, they gotta drag this out as long as possible before this, yeah. before this game. Um, then, then let's switch gears just momentarily because I did. I, I wrote a tweet earlier today where I said, you know, these guys would be fun in these places. That was basically yeah. my point. It wasn't like logic or anything. Like I mentioned, Aiden, for example, in Phoenix because I think he would fit well there. And one of the criteria I used in my head was it would have to be a, a player that going to a place where you he would get minutes right off the bat. For example, Backley to Memphis because they don't really have a forward. They have Jamichael Green, but like Backley right there would jump in and start and you would have for my end at least Wendell Carter in Sacramento because the competition there is Sibo and he's <laughs> older than dirt so they have Harry Giles too waiting in the wings <laughs> waiting, waiting there yeah with all his injuries they but I, I like their approach of him like taking yeah. a year off to get fully healthy but is there a guy where you just go oh there's a guy that would just be so fun at this specific team Oh man, I would have to think about that. And I don't know, like, yeah. I got some guy walking up here. 
Trey Young seems like a super young player. I'm trying to think of where he would be super fun besides. I don't know. I mean, in Orlando, he would get carte blanche. He would be able to shoot whenever he wanted. I guess to. so. I guess yeah. I mean, I guess Trey Young in Orlando would be fun because they have they have a potentially fun front court with Gordon oh, yeah. and Isaac. Uh, and if you have Trey Young as the point guard, and if they could, I mean, Fournier is a decent wing, and if they could find like another possible, if only this, if only they were going to bring back Mario, your guy Mario Hazonia, and they could, oh they yeah, could, That's they could have guy. him on the wing and and uh, Trey Young at point guard, and then that Young front court that could be, I guess. Kind of entertaining. Uh, other guys. Oh, but they had the. Uh, they, of course, the Magic had the option to hang on to his Shonia, but didn't take it because it's the Magic. Of, of course. Uh, looks all right. Of uh, looks like we get, we're getting this going here. Mark nice. Mark Tatum is at at the podium. He is announcing. And number fourteen, we have the Denver Nuggets, as expected. As yeah. And next two picks should be the Clippers. Yes, assuming yeah, assuming the Pistons don't move up, and we have the Clippers at thirteen. That was their pick. Yeah. Jerry West, <laughs> little smirk on his face, and the Clippers number no, number twelve. So yep, they're good. Twelve. Yep, that pick is conveying. Oh, that Blake Griffin. And let, they just showed Luke Kennard, and he's like, well. <laughs> It's yeah. basically a well look on his face. That makes sense. Hornets. I went to Chicago for this. Yeah. Hornets staying at eleven, so no, no, yeah. no big jumps yet. Uh, Ten would be Philly. Uh, that's right. Oh, that's right. So this is a big one. Yeah. And it is the Sixers. So they are staying at ten. The Sixers staying. Yeah. Uh, nine would be the Knicks. Oh, the Knicks. Oh, this is gonna be. I, I, I wanna, I wanna hear what's going on because the Knicks. They they have big hopes after hiring Fisdale. Let's see. All right, now they're just showing Elton Brand and the Celtic literally literally sitting next to each other, and oh, it looks like uh they're and then we go we go to break. Oh, we go to <laughs> yeah, break. Yeah, so they're, they're so we're going to break, and then nine through four revealed, and then the top three, of course. Uh, so they, yeah, they got to fill out fifteen more minutes of this, I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. Of course, unbelievable. Yep. So I guess well, so I guess since we have this break, let's talk about this let's talk about the Sixers a bit. Since there's they're yep. staying at ten, they're getting this pick. Uh we talked about Mike Mikel Bridges a bit. I feel like he that seems like a natural place for him, the Sixers. They mm-hmm. they could use another wing and I mean, he would fit in nicely as a guy that could spot up and shoot. We, we saw Robert Covington have some Robert Covington had a really nice year, really good defender. He was absolutely abysmal in the playoffs. I'm not really sure what happened there. I don't know if it was just him kind of falling back to earth, but I feel like they could really use another another wing there, and that he would slot in really nicely. And he and as being a Villanova guy, that would, that would make some sense there. Who else? Who else would you think would be would make some sense for the Sixers? What I, I'm totally with you in regards to Bridges. I mean, look, they they don't need more on ball ta- on ball talent. They need guys who can spot up and defend. So, to me, I think it's honestly Mikhail Bridges or trading potentially out of the draft for you know external improvements because who else really fits it like you you could theoretically like you mentioned go for the you know, swing for the fences but you have so many guys in need of development like how much more can your team sustain in terms of having young guys there you have TLC you have Cork boss you have Ben Simmons and B to a certain extent like you have a I lot think they're of waiting. I mean, they have some other draft and stash guys too. I think they're waiting on. Uh, I think it's they Jonah do. Bolden. I think is they're going to expect him to right come there, over. Yeah. 
And Matthias Lasora and yeah, stuff they like have, that. Yeah, yeah they have like yeah, a whole, course. still like a whole treasure trove of guys. So yeah, I mean, Bridges just seems like a natural, like come in, win now type player that that would make right. sense. And obviously, they're going to have a ton of cap space. We'll see if they're able to make a move for LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George or get one of those guys, which would be absolutely super terrifying. Oh, I, I think they're getting Paul George. You do. I think Paul George is going to end up a Sixer. Yeah. Interesting. I think it just makes so much sense. And I think Paul is a very clever player. And I think he'll realize, oh, it makes I mean, sense. It, it definitely does make sense. I know. I think uh, I've read some people say that, that them going after Paul George makes more sense than going after LeBron just because of LeBron would be dominating yeah. the ball. Would that, would that marginalize Ben Simmons too much? And that you could still have your Simmons playing basically full-time point guard, but then you have Paul George next to him on the wing to rain threes. Obviously, that didn't quite work out with the Thunder, but that wasn't really Paul George's fault until that last oh, no. until that yeah. last game when he was absolutely terrible. But I've seen that seems like I think Paul George as a as that kind of more off ball and maybe not a total number one like dominate the ball offensive player, but as that off ball threat would make some sense there for them. Mm. All right, we are coming back from commercial, so hopefully nice. uh, we're going to get this rolling here again. And it's no, supposed to be the Knicks number up number nine would be the Knicks. Um. Number eight is uh, who the heck is number eight? I'm Cleveland. Gonna, oh, that's right. Yeah, Nets pick Cleveland, and then the Kings and the Bulls. Five is the Magic, and then I believe four is the the, the Hawks, Hawks, and then it's the Mavericks okay. and Memphis and Phoenix rounded. All right, out. here we go. We're back, and the Knicks are staying at nine. Oh, poor Knicks fans. Okay, <laughs> Scott Perry, not not too thrilled. <laughs> Nope. It's so ugly. They just they show them after the pitch game. They're just like so mad. Number eight, and it's the Cavs. So no, no oh, Nick baby. Gilbert no luck magic. this year. <laughs> so every, we're going chalk so far. Yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento is number seven. Yeah, and the Bulls have moved back. Oh man. Oh, the, the that means the, the Kings, Kings have. The Kings have moved up into the top three, and the Bulls have yep. moved back to number seven. The and, Bulls are, have the seventh pick. Uh, yes, yep. they are. So the Magic fall back to number six. Yep. And... Well, Sacramento wow. moving up is interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Mavericks at number five. So then that means it looks like we're waiting on the Hawks at... Four, right? I believe. Oh no! The, oh, the Grizzlies have moved back to number four. That is rough. So the Hawks have moved up. So right now, our top three: we have the Suns, the Hawks, and the Kings. Oh, interesting. So the oh the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies moving back to four is brutal. Yeah, that is that is brutal. And the Bulls now at seven. I, I mean, that now Mikhail Bridges is more in play. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely think so. Like, I guess you maybe you also hope that Michael Porter Jr. falls to seven. That those back things, I th- and I think your guy Wendell Carter might be there as well. Yeah, I, mean, I, would, I the, would love that. Yeah, I guess we have to let's see how the rest of this plays out. We have now gone to commercial again. We'll wait for the top three. Yeah. Then let's just do a quick recap. Yeah. So, so we went. Let's let's take him from fourteen. Let's just go all the way down so people uh, maybe not yeah tuning in or whatever. So we have Denver at fourteen. The Clippers at 13 and 12, Charlotte at 11, Philadelphia at 10, New York at 9, Cleveland at 8, the Bulls at 7, 
And Orlando at six. Yes. Uh, the Hawks the Ma- at five. Mavericks, Mavericks at five. Oh, my, the oh Hawks yeah, moved Mavericks up. Hawks moved up. Mavericks at five. They did. Grizzlies Mavericks go from, at five. Grizzlies went from two to four, I believe, right? They went from two to four, yeah. right. So the Grizzlies at four, which is, yeah. So now we're looking, at, we're looking at Suns, Kings, and Hawks in the top three. And obviously the Suns yeah. had the had the best odds at 25%. Uh, so they're, that's, they're in good shape for that. The Kings moved from, what was that, seven to three? So that's like the first time that they're getting some mm-hmm. serious luck because I guess let's talk about the Kings for a bit. The Kings have been such a, a, a joke for a long time and they, and they've always drafted high, but I feel like I'm trying to think of the last time they drafted super high. Cause I feel like they've, they've never really gotten, they've always been at like that five to like eight range. I right. feel like, so now that they're going to move into the top three, who do you think, I guess we're, we're still waiting to see where they end up, but who do you think would, well, out, of the, either... out of those, out of your like top three guys, who would you, who would you, I guess, yeah, I mean, if if let's say they, let's say they stay at three, they move into three. Uh, oh, Jared Jackson, Jared Jackson. You love Jackson. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, so, but either way, like yeah. this is this, this is, is so big, huge this is for Sacramento. This is franchise altering, honestly, regardless of where they land in the top three. Yeah, that is, that is definitely big, and they, like I said, they've been so bad for so long, and it's yeah. it's 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 about time. I guess it's about time the Kings got Kings got to get a look, get a little look going. Going their way, and then I get, besides the Kings, then we have we said the Suns. We've talked about a bit, and then the Hawks. The Hawks are mm-hmm. Hawks are an interesting team. They just lost Mike Budenholzer. Dennis Schroeder apparently wants out. Allegedly, there's all this weird stuff going yeah. on on the interwebs about Dennis Schroeder being upset with the situation with the Hawks. Maybe this will make him reconsider. But I, I don't even like Dennis Schroeder that much. He seems just like a okay, no, like an average point guard. Not yeah. it wasn't very good defensively, puts up numbers, but just efficiency wise, like I don't. And the rest of that team, talent wise, Torian Prince is all right. John Collins was a nice rookie last year. Um, yeah, they have a few pieces, but they, they, they need they, a major they overhaul. Need something big. So this is definitely huge for right. them as well. Yeah, um, it's kind of unfortunate that Bud is leaving because I feel like Doncic with Bud could have been super fun, but that's unfortunately oh, yeah. that's going to be out the window now. But yeah, so I guess for the, yeah, for the Hawks and the Kings to move over, that's obviously huge. And then it's good for the Suns that they're not getting screwed going from number one out to number four. So that's <laughs> yeah. so that's big for them. Um, still waiting. They're now they're still showing old crap. They still got five more of minutes course. left until this game two of starts. So they gotta they gotta drag this out. Um, all right, here we go. We're back. Yeah, we got we got Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, and then uh, I believe it's Jamie Gertz, the actress. I did not realize she was married to the owner, Hawks owner Tony Wrestler. I didn't realize oh. that. All right, here we go. Tatum is announcing the top three. We got the Hawks at number three. Oh, wow! And the Kings at number two. So the Suns. They stay at number one. They stay at one, but the Kings, Kings at, at two. two. They, are, they are getting one of Dantich or or Aiden. And here's the here's the kicker. Tom Siller, he wrote a piece today about just lambasting the lottery. Like he's jumping out of his chair right now, gleefully. So, yeah, Tom, delete that piece, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. All right, yeah, that's amazing. So I guess so. I guess let's go back to let's. Since we have this order right. in place now, so we have the Suns at number one. We kind of talked about if they yeah. did win number one. I believe we said that it will probably be Luka, Luka Doncic, probably because they just hired yeah. Slovenia's 
the Slovenia national team's head coach from Euro. They won Eurobasket right. together this past year, so that that seemed to make a lot of sense. So I guess, and we you mentioned the crazy trade Booker, uh, possibly assuming they don't trade Devin Booker, and then and then that's and they. Yeah, keep I, around. I don't think they will. How do you think? So so how do you think that they work? Do they they still needed a point guard? Right? Because they have Booker. Who else do they even have? Oh yeah. They, oh they they they, they, they have Alfred, Alfred, Alfred Payton, who is not not good at all. Like so, you figure their backcourt is their. I guess if we look, I mean, they, they talk about that they're going to do another bunch of moves this summer. We'll see. So if they have Doncic, Booker, I mean, we're still not totally sure what they have with Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. I, I don't, do not like right. Marquise Chris at all. I think a lot of people, nope. more people are higher on Bender, but even him, he's, I don't know, what to, he's still so young. And like as a stretch big man, he's shown some flashes. I'm not totally sure what to make of those guys. And they do have Josh Jackson. Who's representing the lottery? And CJ Warren. So I, guess, yeah. so I guess if you're looking at Doncic, Booker, and Jackson as your as three wings, you could probably Booker and Doncic are basically your Doncic is basically your point guard, and Booker's your off off uh, kind of a pseudo I think point you guard. Start Doncic at the three and move Josh Jackson to the four. Okay. And then, because I, I I gotta admit I don't like the idea of Doncic playing full time point guard. He's not that player. I mean, he's more of like a complimentary ball handler. And I think that's one of the major adjustments like NBA fan has to make. Because when people talk about Doncic, he's the primary ball handler at Real Madrid. But that's not the best position for him. We saw that at Eurobasket. Like he shared the court with Goran Dragic. And he benefited greatly from having a point guard next to him. So I think it would probably hinder his development a little bit. Having to be the on-ball guy. So unless you share that responsibility with Booker... And Josh Jackson, who could handle a little bit, at least in Kansas. I mean, I I, I think they still need a point guard. Yeah. And then you just go super small. Yeah, I, that, that would be really intriguing. I think, make, I think that makes some sense. Is there any way, do you think, they would pass on Dodgers to take a... Anyway, what, what would odds yeah, I mean, put it, at that? I, I don't know about the odds, but I do think there's a chance because there are so many factors playing in here. Just because Igor got, got hired, I mean, it's still the GM's decision there. It's Ryan, Ryan yep. McDonough. And, you know, it, it's his call. And if he deems that Dantich might not have the same potential as Aiden, which I mean, I can, I can fall in line with that logic. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I know where it's coming from. I understand where it's coming from. And if they fall in love with Aiden to that extent, and they, they feel like they, they might be similar in terms of where they're going, they could look at position and need. Like I, I get the logic of having two guys that you value equally, and then you go for position. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. That totally makes sense. And like, I mean, because we talk about Aiton, and I mean, like I said, their front court right now is again like a million front court guys that I don't think are like any good. Uh, oh yeah, no, no, yeah, not like, good. Like, they right. still have Alex Len, but probably not for much longer as well. Like, not that. And, no, he's unrestricted. Yeah, he's unrestricted. Yeah, not that like any yeah. of these guys should really stop them from taking a guy like Aiton. It will. Yeah, it'll. They will, that'll be an interesting decision to make. I said, I'm assuming a lot of people will just assume that Doncic is a guy just because of the coach, but he said Aiton is such a good prospect as well that we, I don't think we can really assume anything, and they're they're gonna have to do their scouting, whatever McDonough decides. Maybe they maybe they will get crazy and make it make a trade somewhere. I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, mm. So I guess if we look after the Suns, we have what was it the Kings at number two? So the, they'll they'll get the, the they'll, they'll get the leftover and that of. Most most likely, assuming that it is Dante Drayton, they'll get the leftover there, which will be huge. The Kings were an interesting team last year. They were very mm-hmm. bad. 
Jaron Fox is, <laughs> yeah. is it, but they were really bad, but they won more games. The Bulls were kind of like this as well. Horrible, like, net rating. They were, they didn't really do anything well, but they won a lot of close games, and that and yeah. ended up not screwing them. They ended up getting the number two pick anyways. So they have some really intriguing pieces. They're like, Darren Fox is nice. Like, Buddy Heald was actually a pretty decent player, but they definitely yeah. still are waiting for that legit bona fide guy, and they should hopefully be able to get that guy here. So that will definitely be huge for the Kings, and hopefully it does kind of just drag them out of the morass they've been in for forever now. You know what's funny? One of my comparisons for DeAndre Aiden was to Marcus Cousins. <laughs> there you go. There's going to get Bogey Hill over again. <laughs> well, without the attitude yeah. and, and less talent, I, I think I still think Boogie is more talented. Like yeah. he's more multifaceted. Like he can pass, he can shoot the three, and when he's you know locked in, he can actually be a plus defender. Although now we don't know anything because of the torn Achilles. But I mean, Aiden in in Sacramento would at least finally put a period on the whole search for a center because the Kings have drafted like a gazillion centers over the past what half decade if if it's Aiden that search now is over like no more centers yeah. for a while you would hope you would think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like that's i mean obviously the kings major winner of of tonight's draft i mean yeah I mean, you could argue phoenix first overall because they won the first but just to climb from 7 yeah, to 2 that's a huge I jump mean, huge jump and really uh, and if you look at it, if you look at I guess the losers here, uh, I mean the Grizzlies going from two to oh, four Grizzlies, is yeah. is this absolute brutal. The Grizzlies needed, I mean, and they can still they'll still get a really good player number four, but still mm. to make that jump is or that drop is really tough because the Grizzlies were such a depressing team last year. Obviously they had injuries to, to Mike Conley, it was brutal. The Chandler Parsons thing has just been a complete disaster. Gasol, who I mean, Fizz, they fired Fizzdale. Who knows what Gasol's. He's getting old. He's I'm not sure how mm. happy he is there. Like he is there. Hey, what do Conley's you, getting older too. Yeah, they're both in their thirties. I mean, who? I guess at number four, like who do you think would make the most sense? There? I mean, they could use they could use a big man to if they tra- want to trade Gasol. They they need Bagley. help on the wing. Do you like Bagley there? I think I do. I mean, I, I I he just makes sense. Like there's a level of upside there. I'm I I'm not overly crazy about bad guys to actually think Wendell Carter is better but I don't expect <laughs> everyone else to right, agree with yeah. me on that point so I think Bagley is is probably a semi-lock to go there like he'll slide into the four immediately so there's still like it like you said there's still something great to be had there um so yeah Tankathon just updated now with with their results here and yeah, they, they have they have Backley at four. So <laughs> and they have Trey Young falling one step down to Orlando. So Trey Trey Young and Orlando still tied to the hip. I guess that makes sense. Let's see let's go let's look at some it's other nice. mock drafts. I'm gonna go with my boy Ricky O'Donnell, especially bloggable guy. Uh he has mm-hmm. we got Luca, DeAndre, Jaron Jackson Jr. top three, which I think is kind of what we were thinking. Uh Bagley yep. at number four to the Grizzlies. There you go. Yep. Makes sense. We have Michael Porter Jr. to the Mavericks, Trey Young sixth. At the Bulls, we have Mo Baba going to the Bulls. So now that we are let's, we are bl- broadcasting on a bloggable, let's talk about the Bulls. Yep. As another, I guess let's you could call them kind of a loser here. They had and it's yep. kind of hilarious here. So they were tied with the Kings. They won the tiebreaker to move into six, but then the Kings 
ended up getting jumping in the two. Yes. So if the Bulls would have lost that tiebreaker, it would have been the Bulls jumping up number three. So that's kind of an extra extra kick in the nuck for the nuts for the Bulls. So now, I said looking at Ricky's mock, he has them taking Mo Bamba. Uh, out of, we have Bamba, Wendell Carter, Michael Bridges, mm. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Colin Sexton. I, would, would, how would you feel about Bamba there? Would you want them to, you'd probably, I'm assuming you'd probably want them to take Wendell Carter at number seven. I, I would like Carter, but yeah. I mean, just, I, I'm high on Carter, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't, I mean, understand right. different, different selections and not, and, and appreciate the, like the, the thought process behind it. Mo Bamba? Definitely makes a lot of sense for the Bulls. They do need a center, yeah, and that's they, yeah, with all respects Robin yeah, Lopez. Their defense definitely yeah. does need that that anchor because like, Rolo's right. a solid player, but I mean he's not part of your like long term future. And no, it's, he's I, not. I know we've I've talked about with people with Ricky as well talking about having Lowry as the five, but I don't think I don't know if he's going to be really a full time five that you can really count on right. and build a, build I'm, a really good you. defense, especially if you have. If Zach Levine is going to be a big part of the future as well, like I feel like if Lowry is going to be yep. your five, you need to stack the rest of your lineup with just like defensive studs, and I'm not really sure the Bulls can do that. So, yeah, I mean, Bamba would make sense uh, as as if you're going to have if he's going to be your rim protector, rim runner, and then you have guys in Chris Dunn and and uh, Zach Levine who can drive to the rim, attack the paint, and and Bamba can be like I said that rim runner type player. Lowry stretches the floor; that would give more. Bomber room to operate down low. It could get defensive rebounds. It would make some sense. Um, mm-hmm. Is there? Besides, oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it for the. Yeah, besides, I guess besides Bamba or Carter, I mean, would you take? Do you think seven's still too high for Michael Bridges? Would you think about any of the other point guards and Sexton or Gilgis Alexander? What, what do you think about any other possibilities there? I mean, I, Shy intrigues me. He really does. Shy intrigues me. But uh, Colin Sexton, no, not at that point. Uh, but I, I will refer back to to uh, our good friend, Ricky O'Donnell, because he once said something that is very accurate. He said, if you have a guy and that's your guy, then you don't need to consider whether taking yeah. a guy is is too high or too low. And if the Bulls decide that Mikael Bridges is just their guy, then then fine. That's him at number seven. I, I, I just don't, for me personally, when I look at that selection, if that's going to fall through, it's just you look back at the entire year and you go, like I said previously, did you just tank for Mikael Bridges? Right. Yeah, it's that would be that'd be a tough, tough pill uh, to swallow. Not that, like I said, we talked about Mikael Bridges is going to be a really nice player, but probably not you were really hoping for. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he can't like he can't create. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Let's get his weaknesses out of the way. He can't really dribble. He's very he's very much like Luol Deng in the sense that you know the two dribble max rule should be implemented for Mikael Bridges. Yeah. He's not a like a hardcore slasher who can create his own offense. He's a spot up shooter with a great wingspan who can rebound the ball and defend multiple positions. Like that's important, but he's in no way someone who can facilitate an offense. Right, yeah, and that's. I think the Bulls definitely could have used somebody like that. I mean, I mean, or maybe I, I, I'm not, yeah, I mean, they could. They, we, the Bulls still need that number one guy. Because I love Lowry. I'm all. I'm in on Lowry. I'm totally in on him. I, mm. He's still probably, probably not gonna. I will not rule it out that he can be turned into like whatever Dirk or a number, a legit number one option on like a, on a great contender. I would still think he'll probably right. be better as a number two guy. So it definitely would have been nicer to get a more legit number one guy. 
maybe the, maybe the Bulls get lucky. Maybe a guy like Michael Porter falls, or maybe Trey Young falls and he turns into a next grade point guard. But this is this is right now. This doesn't feel great to as a Bulls fan to to go back to number seven after a painful year that featured a lot of ugly basketball and that fe- featured a lot yeah. of wins that were a lot of it was because of Nikola Mirotic. It is good that Mirotic got them that extra first round pick. And I'll have to dive more into those later on, but I don't know about many of those other guys back at 22. I'll have to look. I'll have to look more into that. But after this painful bull season, it definitely is kind of a kind of a bummer that they're mm-hmm. end up ending up at number seven here. Not that they can't. They got Lowry at number seven, and Lowry looks like a great prospect. Maybe they get another guy like another really good player, like they like they got Lowry. But definitely not not quite the ideal ideal night for the Bulls tonight. Should, should we guess the narrative? I think the narrative is going to be. Hey, look at who we got at seventh last year. Oh, that's definitely that's definitely going to be it. I mean, it's it's an easy spin. Like, oh, like well, we picked yeah. seventh last year, and we look at the we yeah. have Lowry as a foundational piece. Like, we, we expect to make another draft pick like Lowry and add another foundation yeah. foundational piece to our core, which is I mean partially true, but yeah, still, absolutely. like what, what they right. I think I mean even them internally, what they were and kind of what was being sold. Oh, was, they're Was a top three, top five, top three pick and a legitimate. After you trade Jimmy Butler, basically a top ten player in the mm. NBA, that this that this year was gonna turn was gonna get a guy that could be a top ten player in the NBA someday. And right now, looking like that that won't happen unless the Bulls get lucky. But again, name the game. Luck is a big name in the game when it comes to rebuilding. You never quite know how these guys are gonna turn out, and so I guess we're just gonna have to hope the Bulls get Bulls get super lucky. Yeah, and, and also I mean it's just it's not a one year rebuild, right? I know that Garpax was out, and you know, or John actually, yeah. John was out saying we don't want to go through this again. But I mean, the Bulls are not going to be great next year either way, so they're going to be back in the lottery in in a year from now anyway. So it's it's a process, it really is. Uh, what my hope is, if I'm a Bulls fan right now, is don't go into free agency thinking I can somehow rectify dropping a spot and go, oh, okay, I need to be competitive, so I'm going to sign a guy. Absolutely. No, no, no. Just stay the course. You can sign Hisonia, though, because he's young and there's some potential. Yeah, I'm not getting off that horse at all. Um, and, yeah, stick with the course. I mean, don't go out and find some 32-year-old. Yeah. And does That just makes no and sense. And Pax did hint at that. It seemed like what he they're did. hinting at is they're not – they're trying – they want to be patient. Like you said, they didn't – they don't want to be – tanking again where they're blatantly trying to lose but that they want mm. they're what they want to improve internally but they don't but they're not going to do anything stupid where they go out and sign veterans just to sign veterans and I, i'm not too worried about that they, they should have a good amount of cap service i do hope that potentially if they can take on another contract and get another draft pick out of it i know they're hesitant yeah. to do that because they do have omer's deal on the books for right now but i mean omer's deal will basically be won't be that bad after this upcoming season like I know it's, it looks bad right now, but it can get out of it and not have too big of a penalty after this upcoming season. Yep. So, I mean, I, I think it would still make sense. Like you said, it's a process. It's still going to be a couple years. And and if they can get another another asset out of it using their cap space, I think that would make a lot of sense this year. I think the Bulls – and what I guess another one good thing is I do think the Bulls will be – I think they'll be – they're going to be bad, I think. But I think they'll be a little – I think they'll win a few more games. I'm thinking they get into the – Around thirty, maybe low thirties. Even though obviously Nico was a big mm. part of them winning, I still, I still do think there will be enough internal improvement. And I think Levine, who was, I know Levine is a huge part of their offseason. And I know a lot of people have questions. I know you have questions about paying him a ton of money, but 
I still think he'll be, assuming he's back, he will be better than he was last year, I would hope. I mean, he was back from the ACL. He yes. was he was not good. He was very bad. Both sides of the ball. He had some games where he looked, the Timberwolves game, he was great. But in general, he shot under 40%. He was an inefficient chucker. His defense was terrible. The Bulls got smoked with him on the court. He'll be a lot better. Hopefully Dunn improves a bit more. Hopefully Lowry takes a step forward. Bobby Porter took a nice step forward this past year. Hopefully they do get that internal improvement. And if they, they do take his next step forward. And I guess what another good thing is, the lottery rules are changing. Where I think it's, I can't remember the exact what the exact odds are going to be. It's four teams. Like they're going to draw four teams at fourteen percent odds. I yeah, think. and I think some of it gets spread out the rest of the way. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So like I think so. So I guess yeah. if the Bulls, even if they're bad, but they're even they're a little better, like they could still turn out okay in terms of the draft odds. So yeah, you said they got to be patient. It's going to be a process. They're not going to most likely going to ramp up into playoff contention next year, maybe not even the year after that. Although 2019 could be a big year to maybe hopefully make a move for maybe a star or something. But, yeah, so I guess I guess we'll see. I guess tonight's a bummer, but Bulls just got to be patient. Don't do anything stupid, and hopefully things work out. And with those wise words, I think it's time to sign off on the NBA podcast. Uh, we'll make this episode into a or, or well, well this is a live stream video but we'll turn it into audio and publish it in the morning as well for the devoted listeners out there and for you on bloggable who's watched along thank you for joining us and jason thank you so much for coming on and providing insights and live commenting on the uh the, the draft lottery i really appreciate that absolutely this was a ton of fun let's do it again next year then yes, sir all right take care take it easy Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.